You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, August 6th. 2023. We are now four days into fall camp and less than a month now from Ohio State's season opener against Indiana. It was quite an eventful last week, both for Ohio State and the Big Ten. Fall camp started on Thursday and then on Friday in a stunning reversal. At the absolute 11th hour, Oregon and Washington both accepted offers to join the Big Ten next year. The Ducks and Huskies will be joining USC and UCLA as new Big Ten members in 2024. I know by now that is old news for most college football fans, but I mean, wow. The college football landscape continues to shift beneath our feet. So I want to spend a little time talking about that today, and then I'll wrap with a few comments about some of the news we've heard out of fall camp so far. Now, also reported on Friday, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State are also leaving the Pac-12, in their case for the Big 12. So 2023 will be the swan song for the Pac-12 conference. And if you love college football, you can't help but feel a little sad about the complete and rapid dissolution of a storied athletic conference that's been competing for 108 years. I mean, my earliest memories of college football are, you know, filled with the Pac-10 and the USC-UCLA, you know, all those traditionally great teams from from that conference. You know, I remember the classic clashes between the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. Uh, My freshman year at Ohio State, 1990, USC came to the horseshoe for a big non-conference game. And I was there. I was sitting in the South Stands, in fact. I'll never forget uh, that game actually had to be called with about two and a half minutes to play because of a massive thunderstorm and lightning. Uh, Trojans won at 35-26, but lots of of fond memories of the former Pac-10, now the Pac-12, from my childhood and formative years. And it's just a damn shame to see the, the conference dissolve before our eyes. Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State are all that are left of the current Pac-12. And it seems just a matter of time before those schools find new homes. I actually wonder if if Stanford and Cal will end up in the Big Ten eventually. Both schools certainly fit the academic profile that the Big Ten wants, and then some. And Stanford certainly fits the athletic profile. I mean, I think they have about as many varsity sports as Ohio State, and they're not that far removed from being a very competitive football program. And man, if that happens, as an OSU grad living in San Francisco, I'd I'd just love it if the Bay Area became Big Ten country. Uh, And I I would assume if that happens, uh, it would all but guarantee regular West Coast visits for the Buckeyes, which again, for the throngs of us out here, uh, OSU alums, that is, it'd be totally awesome. So admittedly, my view of everything that's happening right now is going to be from the perspective of someone whose school and conference sits atop the college football food chain. We're the beneficiaries of everything that's happening right now. There's no doubt about it. 
I understand as a fan, I'm part of the wealthy and privileged. I'm part of the 1% of the 1%. And I can't really speak from the perspective of the Oregon states and Washington states of the world. And I understand this, this must be far from ideal for those schools and their athletes. And I, I sincerely hope, you know, they land on their feet somehow. I'm also a pretty optimistic person by nature. And, you know, I see all kinds of exciting possibilities here from this realignment. Personally, seismic change like this typically is, is exciting for me. And, you know, kind of looking at the situation, I, I think it's totally possible for meaningful change that improves the on the field product and the preservation of tradition to coexist. They're not mutually exclusive. They can both happen. I mean, you're adding four excellent football programs in SC, Oregon, UCLA, and Washington, and that's going to mean better, more competitive football games that are going to be way more fun and interesting to watch than, you know, Ohio State beating the snot out of Rutgers every year. I mean, right? What Would you rather watch Indiana getting blasted by Michigan in a half-empty stadium in Bloomington? Or would you prefer to watch the Wolverines play in a packed Husky stadium in a game that could go either way? I mean, if you, if you pick the former over the latter, I, I think you need to have your head examined, quite frankly. Um, and, you know, look for the traditionalists who are fretting right now. I don't think there's any need to fear. The high State Band is still going to play Hang On Sloopy and perform the script Ohio. There's still going to be skull sessions. All the meaningful rivalries are going to be preserved. There's, there's no way uh, they won't be. So, you know, I don't think there's any need to worry about that. But I do have some questions, like millions of other fans, I'm sure, about how the Big Ten Conference is going to operate now with 18 teams starting in 2024. I would assume, of course, that we need to tear up those Flex Protect Plus schedules for next season that uh, went around early in June. Those will certainly need some revisions at this point. But my biggest question right now is about divisions. We remember that, you know, next year, the Big Ten was supposed to be eliminating divisions and allowing the teams with the two best overall records to duke it out in the conference championship game. But with 18 teams now, does the Big Ten need to rethink that? I mean, you're adding four high quality programs to the conference next year, SC, Oregon, UCLA and Washington. And what you can do now that you couldn't before is create two nine team divisions that will look in and of themselves like conferences. And you can create competitive balance between the two divisions in a way that wasn't possible before. I mean, think about it. You put USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon in one division with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and let's say Wisconsin in the other. I mean, <laughs> winning one of those divisions would be no small accomplishment. I mean, forget about winning the conference for a second. Just winning one of those damn divisions would be, uh, you know, something to, you know, to put on your wall. And then I think what you get in the Big Ten title game is a replica of the traditional Rose Bowl. Ohio State, USC, Michigan, Washington, Wisconsin, Oregon. I mean, how great would that be? And by the way, they should seriously consider allowing the Rose Bowl to host the Big Ten title game on an alternating basis in starting next year. I'm talking about Rose Bowl, the venue, not Rose Bowl, the game. Now, that venue, of course, is such a huge home field advantage for USC and UCLA. It can't be the venue every single year, but every other year. Seems to make sense to me. And, and I think you retain the Lucas uh, uh, Oil was yeah, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis as the, um, as, as the second site. You just alternate the two um, every other year moving forward. Uh, 
But look, a lot of fans, myself included, uh, hate the current divisions because of all the power uh, being concentrated in the East Division. And since the conference moved to the current East and West divisions, the West has never won the Big Ten title. And many of the West representatives, let's face it, had no business qualifying for that game. I mean, they, they had no business being there and they had no chance in beating the East champion. Nobody wanted to see those games. Uh, but that would not be the case with these nine team divisions, assuming, of course, that the Big Ten is thoughtful about how they're constructed. I know we can't always take something like that for granted with the Big Ten. But again, I'm an optimistic guy. I think they can figure it out. I really think the Big Ten has to consider it. They really need to consider divisions in 2024 and beyond. I mean, 18 teams are too many to crown a champion without without divisions. And, um, you know, the good news is, I think, in that scenario, for the traditionalists who want Ohio State and Michigan to continue to be the high-stakes regular season finale that it's always been, well, this nine-team division structure would certainly ensure that. The other question I have is, with 18 teams next year, the Big Ten has to move to a 10-conference game scheduling format, does it not? I don't think nine games is going to be enough to settle the score with that many teams, 18 in the conference. If you really want to crown a true conference champion, I think you have to play as many Big Ten games as possible. Uh, It seems obvious to me that 10 conference games plus two non-conference is clearly the way to go now. And I think you can move to that format if you're Ohio State without any reservations about strength of schedule for your playoff resume. Because with the addition of USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, the average Big Ten schedule is going to provide plenty of challenges. So, you know, if we're using this nine-team divisions I just laid out, and Ohio State is playing, you know, Michigan, Penn State, and Wisconsin every year with a crossover game against an Oregon or a UCLA, I mean, that's going to be plenty good in the strength of schedule department for the college football playoff, I would assume. And, you know, that doesn't even account for teams like Iowa and Michigan State, which have proved capable in years past of rising up and competing for Big Ten titles. Another question I have is, you know, with the Big Ten acquiring the Pac-12's top four programs, that all but guarantees that the Big Ten gets an extra spot in the 12-team college football playoff, right? I mean, that That bid would have otherwise gone to the Pac-12 in the new playoff format. Now, almost certainly, that must belong to the Big Ten. I mean, it has to. I mean, in Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Penn State, Oregon, UCLA, Washington, and Wisconsin, that's eight legitimate playoff contenders in most seasons with an expanded playoff. Finally, the last question I have is, we are clearly headed to a 16-team college football playoff, right? I mean, the SEC and Big Ten now have an overabundance of quality football teams. And if you want to create a compelling playoff, you have to let a lot of the SEC and Big Ten teams into the field. There's no question about it. I'd say, you know, six to eight between the two conferences. We're closer to eight. But of course, you can't give all 12 bids to those conferences. You know, the schedules uh, for the, the, the first two editions of the 12-team playoff have already been set. Um, I could be wrong about this, but I think there will be an opportunity to revisit the format after the 2026 season. Um, I think it's, that's a very good bet that that's what's going to happen. So I wouldn't get too attached to the 12-team format. I think it's going to be very short-lived, and we could see the field expand to something like 16 by 2026. All right, I'm going to wrap things up with a few quick thoughts on what we're hearing out of fall camp. Now, look, it's still very early. Only a few days in and, you know, someone pointed out to me on Twitter today that things haven't really started to get real 
you know, with full contact, you know, 11 on 11 practices, which, you know, should start happening this week. But I will say that I was thrilled to hear that safeties Jihad Carter and Sonny Styles were running with the first team defense this past week. Now, if you listen to this podcast, my number one concern with the defense was whether Jim Knowles and Perry Eliano would make the right choices for the starting safeties because in the spring, Josh Proctor and Cam Martinez were running with the ones. And it's very well documented on this podcast that I've had big reservations about Proctor and Martinez playing major roles in that secondary. Well, it appears, at least for now, Eliano and Knowles have seen the light and have Styles and Carter as the starters along with Lathan Ransom in that uh, in that secondary. Look, you know, Styles is just too talented. He's too gifted. By hook or by crook, he needs to play a ton. He needs to be a starter. He needs to play a ton. And, you know, what would the point be of bringing a three-year starter in in Jahat Carter out of the transfer portal, only having to play, you know, special teams and a reserve role. Now, what was a bit of a surprise to me, though, was that Carter is currently penciled in as the adjuster or free safety, as they call it. And Styles is the cover safety or what is commonly known as slot corner. Now, they've been saying all along that Carter can play all three safety spots. Uh, they clearly love Lathan Ransom at the bandit. That's traditionally called the strong safety. Now that I think about it, I mean, Sonny Styles of cover safety seems to open up all kinds of interesting possibilities. But again, the bottom line with Styles, I don't really care what position he plays. He's one of your best 11. Get him on the damn field and let him go make plays. Now, we also heard out of camp that the first team offensive line was Josh Fryer at left tackle, Donovan Jackson at left guard, Carson Hinsman at center. Matthew Jones at right guard, and then Zen Mikulski at right tackle. So at least for now, Mikulski is the man at right tackle. That's the one position on the O-line where, you know, there are big questions. We've been talking about it all offseason. Now, many, many believe Josh Simmons, who apparently, by the way, wants to be called Jimmy now. So Jimmy Simmons, the San Diego State transfer, will eventually, many believe, be the man at right tackle. But the early returns, and again, it's very early, early returns out of fall camp is that, you know, he's, Simmons is still getting his sea legs under him and, and, and adjusting to the, you know, the new level of competition in Columbus. And it might be a minute before he becomes a factor in the competition at right tackle. Tegra Shibola, it's also worth mentioning, could also be a factor at right tackle, though many believe he is much better suited to play on the interior my guess is right tackle is going to be a very fluid situation for the next few weeks, and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see who emerges with that job. Uh, that's a that's going to be a huge position on the offense for Ohio State. They need to find the right man and, and hope that he stays healthy, of course. Uh, it's also worth noting that the silver bullet of the day, the last two days of practices, were cornerbacks. Jordan Hancock was yesterday. Davison Igbenosin was today. Again, very early, but that would seem to support my theory that cornerback will be a strength for the Ohio State defense for the first time since 2019. Okay, that's going to do it for me. I know I keep promising it, but I do plan to get Paige and Chad back on the pod in the very near future to talk about fall camp, to talk about the coming season. Uh, look for that in the coming days. Until then, thanks so much for listening and go Bucks. been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. 
You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.